is a Thursday drive. We hope your afternoon's off to a great start. Got a lot to do today, so let's get to it. Even though the Carolina Panthers Fan Fest was televised for all to see last night at Bank of America Stadium, my takeaway from practice was shot by Charlotte Observer reporter Elena Getzenberg on Twitter of all places. It was over an hour after practice had concluded, and there are just two players out on the field. It was veteran tight end Chris Manhurts and quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Here's what was cool about it, Robert. Manhurts, he ran a skinny post across the middle with Carolina working in red zone, dropped a pass that was a clear touchdown. Teddy was the first person to go up to Manhurts and tap him on the helmet saying it was okay in the moment. Afterwards, they were working on route running. Teddy playing DB or linebacker, giving him a couple of tips. And I thought that was just a really neat deal. Then when Manhurts left, Teddy remained and he still wanted to throw a couple more balls out there. Apparently, this has become a normal thing where Teddy stays after practice for 30 minutes, an hour, and even longer than that. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from yesterday. It's become unmistakably clear Teddy is the leader of the Carolina Panthers. I no longer have any doubt about it. He's been noticeably proactive. It's not just this one video that was shot. It's not just the fact that he stays after practice. Don't forget, when the Panthers came together in Charlotte for the first time, it was training camp. The NFL had rules. The team could not get together. Teams couldn't get together before a certain date. But that was mandated on the coaches, general managers, and ownership trying to keep things fair. But we still saw Tom Brady trying to get his team together. You couldn't tell players really what to do unless you wanted to collectively bargain it. It makes things a lot more difficult. Don't really want to get into a lot of those details. But Teddy entering a new team. He got the entire Panthers offense together to run a pseudo minicamp before training camp actually began. He got in touch with Robbie Anderson, considering they were both in South Florida. He wanted to throw some balls, figure out ways to get together during lockdown. He wants to step on the field and immediately have success, and he's proactive in trying to find ways to make that happen. I admire that. Another thing that stood out to me, Matt Rule since February. Whenever he's asked about starters, he refuses to say that anybody has a starting job locked up. Earlier this week, he wanted to even say, Shaq Thompson, he's a starter. Or Tahir Whitehead, he's a starter. It's pretty clear that those guys are going to be there. And you can fill in the blank. Wide receiver. Oh, DJ, Robbie, Curtis Samuel, they're competing for spots. Christian McCaffrey's pretty ironclad. He's going to be the running back. But someone else who's ironclad is Teddy Bridgewater. He wouldn't even welcome competition for Will Greer or P.J. Walker being the guy. He just says, no, uh, 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 this is Teddy's team. That became clear really early on, and we're now seeing it on display. If you want to chime in on today's show, 336-777-1600 on Twitter, at SportsUpTriad. Doesn't it seem like, maybe this is a stretch, Robert. Teddy Bridgewater, he seems like the star of a Disney movie. Like, can't you see, like, a fictional cartoon football movie where the star quarterback's name is Teddy Bridgewater? Like, way over the top, this guy's a great guy. 
He's staying way after practice. Maybe it's not animated and it's just like a hokey Invincible or Remember the Titans. For those who don't know, I'm down on Remember the Titans. It's definitely a Disney movie. Oh, for sure. And Teddy Bridgewater, it's a tremendous name. Is it animated or is it live action? Nah, it's live action. Okay, it's live action. Teddy's starring in it. His story kind of fits a Disney movie, doesn't it? This guy has a gruesome injury. People are talking about, is he going to be able to keep his leg with Minnesota? Then he goes to another team. He's supposed to be the starter. They draft a young quarterback, and the coach trying to keep his job goes with the younger guy. Teddy gets traded where he's not going to play. He has a choice to go play for the Dolphins or to remain in New Orleans, and he chooses to learn under the legend because he feels that's what's best for him. Now this is his shot. I mean, we're writing a script for Disney right now. How's this not going to happen? Anyway, if you have an idea for what the title of this movie would be, I'm down to hear those at Sports Up Triad on Twitter. It would definitely be Bridge Over Troubled Water. Wow. Or just Teddy. See, I feel like that people get confused with that. I don't know. Football movies. Keep Suck. it simple. <laughs> Brian Song, Rudy. Teddy would be a better movie than Rudy. That's all I'm saying. Joe Brady. I think this is going to be a great marriage, Teddy and Joe Brady. He knows Brady's offense. He knows exactly what Joe Brady is expecting. So I don't think it's going to be difficult picking up the offense. From what I saw, it looked a lot like what the New Orleans Saints have run against Carolina the last decade or so. So I'm really excited. He took less money. He took less years to be reunited with Joe. I'm still surprised how many Panther fans seem to be more excited about Trevor Lawrence, the idea of tanking and getting him, than giving Teddy any kind of a chance. Teddy is so likable, knows the offense, 5-0 and last year, former first-round pick, and he's 27 years old. And you have people who have Trevor Lawrence and a Panthers jersey as their Twitter account? Or Trey Lance, even? What are we doing here? Like, tanking is for losing football teams. And football, where has it ever worked? Miami, you could say they tanked, but they were trying to win last year, and they lucked out getting their quarterback at five. The reason tanking doesn't work, losing teams tank like the Browns and the Bengals and the Dolphins, teams that don't win anything. Because tanking, you're trying to get a specific player or two. No specific one or two players can fix a bad organization. So Matt Rule, he's not trying to tank. He's trying to build the culture. And I think he's doing it the right way around guys like Teddy Bridgewater. I want to shift things to what happened yesterday. Because in a year of milestones, a milestone historical year, it was a milestone in a historic time. It's crazy to think. The three craziest things in sports that have happened this year. Kobe Bryant's tragic passing, the NCAA tournament being canceled in March, and now NBA playoff games being boycotted. None of them are related to each other. They really aren't. One, the virus consumed. The other, just an outright tragedy. Uh, and, and this one is a result of social unrest. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it before. We've seen players individually have their voice heard and facing the consequences. 
Muhammad Ali, Tommy Smith, John Carlos. Players have sat out. We've seen that, but we've never seen a full team unilaterally, players wiping out playoff games. We've never seen that before. It was powerful. And if you think it didn't really have much effect because, according to Woj, they're going to reschedule these games and the playoffs are going to continue, you're wrong. It forced shows. Sports shows all over this station, all across the country, to say Jacob Blake's name. That's what people wanted. It had its effect on me. With no games last night, Robert, I called my dad, who's been a longtime police officer, going to retire next year. I called a couple cousins of mine who are in law enforcement. Um, I called an uncle. I mean, I had a lot of conversations because usually I get inundated with all the sports. I didn't have that yesterday. And anytime something like this arises, whether it be George Floyd, whether it be Jacob Blake, you fill in the blank. I try to picture what my dad would have done in certain spots. Like, is it understandable? Make it personal to you to see if you can understand it. Shooting someone in the back seven times. Seven times in the back while you have your hand on their their shirt. I asked myself, could I see someone in my family doing that, and specifically my dad? And then something, I was reminded of something. My dad is set to retire as a police officer next February. He's dealt with tons of people who resisted arrests and people who were going to go to jail, working in Baltimore, working in Durham, working in Raleigh. Now he's in the city of Wake Forest. He's told me he's never had to discharge his firearm one time. His entire career, he's set to retire next February. He's never had to shoot his weapon before. And you want me to think and justify seven shots in the back of somebody? I can't do it. And those are that's just my two cents on it. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, so you know where I stand. This is not political. In regards to protests, my opinion hasn't changed since 2016. Two stipulations I have. This, these are the only two stipulations I have of American protests. Is it legal? Is it peaceful? If both of those things, if both those boxes are checked, you're not going to have me criticizing it, telling people what to do. I didn't have issue with what Colin Kaepernick did because it was peaceful, it was legal. Remember, I come from a law enforcement family. I've seen examples where it's not peaceful. We've seen a lot of that this summer. We see Dallas, we see other places, New Orleans, police officers are getting killed, right? That's not the right way to go about it. It isn't. I can't justify that. I could be upset about that. I can question that. I can't question people who are being peaceful, people who are being legal, even acting legally, even if I don't agree with the cause. Anyway, it's a Thursday afternoon. This is where you go as an escape. We're going to allow that to be an escape for you. But I just wanted you to know where I stood. Coming up, why continuing to play was the right choice for the owners and the players. Keep it here on The Drive. Stand by as we continue our dig for the truth and the toy at the bottom of the cereal box. Oh, got it. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. <laughs> 
on Sports Hub Triad. After I get off the air today, I'm shooting down to Myrtle Beach. Going to spend some time on the beach this weekend. Going to have a bit of an extended weekend. Darren Vaught will be in this chair tomorrow. So I guess it's going to be a couple of hours, a few hours of sharing with Darren. Right now we have Darren Vaught with us, and we're going to do some comparing with Darren. So since Darren's going to have control of the steering wheel all day tomorrow, I'm going to give the steering wheel right now to Robert Walsh as we kick off this comparing sash. We have got some real humdingers this week, fellas. And I'm going to start it off with you, Darren, like usual. I hope you have your comparing pants on because you're going to need them. They're on. I'll just say I enjoy how liberally you use the word humdinger. Whether it's on the air, like before I come on, casual conversation, it's it's one of your go-tos and I love it. it. It's definitely in my wheelhouse. All right, starting off, I'd like you to compare Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona to Jean Girard from Talladega Nights taking NASCAR by storm. Um, well, I hope, uh, what is it, Man City that Messi is going to, like uh, NASCAR fans were not prepared for Jean-Jacques Girard, I hope Man City fans have bibs because they're they're getting messy in another way. <laughs> okay, you've inspired me to do this now. Earlier today, I asked on Twitter, is 40-year-old Virgin the best comedy of the decade the 2000s because it's the 15 year anniversary to the month of that movie coming out after we get done comparing so in about 10 minutes i'm gonna give you a top 10 list i'm gonna put together not like one of the hokey top 10 lists that we do that's become a staple with wordplay an actual top 10 list of the top 10 2000s (laughs) comedies i'm gonna put that list together it's official now that top ten list okay. is not for you, Darren, by the way. You won't get to hear that. But I'll I'll review it with you tomorrow. Josh, no, this is for you. Oh, guys, I'm listening. I still have to put it I still have to put it together. So I, I, I don't know what's gonna be at the top of that list. Anyway, I'm interrupting comparing. Uh Josh, I would like you to compare Buda Baker earlier this week getting a contract extension making him the highest paid safety in the league despite not having an interception to my dad trying to start a limo business despite having zero chauffeur experience. <laughs> <laughs> this limo has been sitting in my dad's front yard. It does not come out of drive. Wait, this is real? This is a real thing. This is a real thing. He bought a limo for $500, and now he wants to stop landscaping and become a chauffeur. I think it's a great idea if he can get the dadgum thing to run, but that, that remains to be seen. I think in both instances, very poor management at the top. Like, Arizona... One of the worst-run NFL franchises. Steve Wilkes, terrible uh, head coaching tenure after being the Panthers' defensive coordinator. But Steve Keim is an awful GM. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury's a good football coach. Terrible ownership. And, yeah, your dad not doing much with the limo. That's probably not a good business decision. I wouldn't mind it. I would like it if he could just pick me up from the bar in the limo. It's got, like, a full crystal bar inside of it. It's a nice limo, just... Can't put it in Parker. Has reverse. it had success in its in its previous? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Career. Yeah, this dude used to own it. It was his private limo. It it only has like sixty thousand miles on it. But don't 
My dad will hear us talking about this, and he'll call in, and then I'll have to explain all this. Anyway, Darren, I would like you to compare Rex Chapman's Twitter to Noah's Ark. Uh, well, I guess, look, I love Rex, and I think the overall good outweighs the bad. But he does sort of just cherry-pick content from other people. <laughs> for so sure. There's some, there's some kind of comparison there with... Um, oh, I've got it for you. I've got it for you. Noah gets all the credit, but actually God did all the work. There it is. Rex Chapman. He puts. He steals the tweets from people. He steals the credit. God did all the work, just like Rex Chapman was stealing from somebody else. He is the good guy, would, Darren yeah, Rebell. That's where I was going to get, maybe in like 10 minutes of ramping. But yeah, good one. <laughs> uh, Josh, I would like you to compare Earl Thomas having trouble finding work to the Soggy Bottom Boys and Oh Brother, Brother Where Art Thou? I watched... Oh, brother, where art thou? Not too long ago. And I found myself not rooting for the Soggy Bottom Boys. Well, they are criminals. Just like I'm not rooting for Earl Thomas. Like, Earl Thomas is making himself out to be the victim, kind of like the Soggy Bottom Boys in, in a sense. And, um, yeah, I, I don't feel for any sympathy for either of them. So, yeah, I don't know if Earl Thomas is going to get signed. Quite frankly, I don't care. In the end, they both are probably going to get pardoned for their talents. Uh, Darren, I would like you to round us out here. 76ers head coach Brett Brown got fired. I'd like you to compare that to Andy from 40-Year-Old Virgin comparing boobs to a bag of sand. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Like a bag of sand. Um, it, better better in idea than in practice, right? Idea of the process and what Sam Hinkie was, was fired for. Uh, I think the idea turned out to be too much than they could bite off. So, therefore, Brett Brown's idea of an NBA championship team from all of the tanking turned out to just be back to the I'll accept that. I was looking for they both trusted the process a little too long and ended up lonely, but that's perfect. You're Kelly great, Clarkson! <laughs> you both did great. That's comparing with Darren. Appreciate Darren, it. have fun in this chair tomorrow. Thanks for doing it. I will, of course. I'll see you guys. You got it. That is Darren Vaught. Shoot him a follow on Twitter, at Darren Vaught. Here comes the life of the party. The Drive. Corrupting the minds and the hearts of our children. With Josh Graham. Program for low expectations. On Sports Hub Triad. The heat has been turned up on Washington football team owner Daniel Schneider. So, when he decided to change the name from Redskins to what it is now, the Washington football team, obviously that is a massive story. Especially considering that Dan Schneider has said it's non-negotiable. It's something that's not going to happen. There's no way I'm going to change this name. This is what I believe in. He's been in this post for over 20 years now. I felt like as long as he was there, that name wasn't going to go. But I think now we've seen enough play out over the last month or so to know that there's a reason why it changed. I feel pretty confident the name changing is a sign of Dan Schneider feeling vulnerable he might lose his football team. He's already done something he vowed he wanted to do. That's, that is a massive red flag. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Less than a week after that seismic announcement, 
The Washington Post publishes a story where you got a dozen, you got, excuse me, two dozen women talking about the poisonous, sexist, misogynistic culture inside the Washington football team building. I don't think that's a coincidence. The Washington Post, they reached out to Washington. They knew exactly, the football team knew exactly that this story was going to run. They asked for comment. They didn't give any comment. And they knew what employees were being looked into because those employees were fired in time so that the story had to say former Washington employees taking some of the sting out of it versus guys who are currently there. Also, it's important to note that there were no direct charges of Schneider in the story. So when we learned there was something here and the Washington football team was preparing the media, the national media, the local media, something's going to come down from the Washington Post, they drummed it up to think that this is going to be it for Dan Schneider. And when Dan Schneider wasn't implicitly charged with something, wasn't specifically charged, There were some out there who were underwhelmed by it. That was the doing of the Washington football team, I felt. There's nowhere he can hide on this one. He's now specifically accused, in some instances, of sharing, of having a a cheerleader go to the hotel room of a high school buddy of his and having shots of women during a photo shoot that might have had things that didn't make it into the calendar have those be sent to specific friends and big-time donors. Stuff that a creep does. Just creepy nonsense that justifies, or I guess explains, why all the other stuff was allowed to happen as long as it did. With very little protection of these women. Very little of a compliance department, of HR. Now you got, it's not just one woman either. It's not five, it's double digits. And then you have this crazy statement that Dan Schneider put out yesterday. Just wild bonkers stuff. The Washington football team, they put out the the on team letterhead, the, the, the release that was a word salad that didn't mean a lot. That's just what teams do nowadays. Um... Ron Rivera, he's been put in a really difficult spot. Not only is he dealing with having, you know, cancer and having to lead a bad football team, he's having to deal with the name change and now having to deal with this nonsense. Part of the statement said this, quote, The Washington Post article reads like a hit job, relying on unnamed sources and allegations that are largely 10 to 20 years old. We attempted to engage with the Washington Post to provide them with the facts. Those facts clearly tended to align with their narrative. There are former employees on the record disputing many of the claims, and yet they still appear in print. It's clear that they are. there are other negative agendas at work in this reporting. Imagine after decade after decade after decade of the work that the Washington Post has done historically trying to go at the post about their credibility, putting your credibility side by side with the Washington Post. Good luck with that one, Dan Schneider. So now he's specifically accused. What happens next? He doesn't go 
unless the owners, the other owners want him gone. See, that's the thing that I think gets lost with the Donald Sterling thing in 2014. Adam Silver, he gets all the credit. And he does deserve some of it. But he couldn't unilaterally get rid of Donald Sterling. He needed the other owners to be with him on it, to force a sell. That's what has to happen here. But if you read the story, if you read what Sally Jenkins wrote today, and I strongly suggest you do, you'll read a story about how the owners feel like they can sucker Dan Snyder into so many things. Get him to trade a second-round draft pick for a far-wash Donovan McNabb. Or, and you could look at other examples of it as well. Nobody hangs out with him. These sources say that Dan Schneider doesn't have friends among the owners. But do the owners feel enough pressure of having Schneider among them to try and get rid of him? I don't know. It almost feels like with coronavirus going on and election year, the stuff that the NBA is doing that coincidentally falls the same day that these allegations drop in the Washington Post story, Dan Schneider, he might have enough cover to skate here. In fact, if I had to guess, I don't think the owners feel pressure, the other owners, to get rid of Schneider. And if that doesn't happen, I don't see him going anywhere. So I think for now, unless there's another bombshell that I don't know about and I can't rule that out, I don't think Dan Schneider's leaving. Anywho, Robert, I got my list here. It is the 15-year anniversary of 40-year-old Virgin. One of the best comedies of the 2000s in my mind. So I asked on Twitter, is it the best comedy of the decade, of that decade? Robert brought up some examples and comparing with Darren of some great 2000s comedies. So I got a top 10 list here. Not one of those wordplay that everybody loves and you hate. Top 10 comedies of the 2000s. Do we have that really deep, distinct voice to help me out here? Number 10. Yeah, we do. Borat. Really nice. Borat, number 10 on this list. That movie is just, just an incredibly ambitious movie. Like, even today, it's still incredibly ambitious. It was at the time. It still is. Sacha Baron Cohen still doing his thing. That's his best movie. I don't know if I'm excited for a sequel. I've seen people are, are they're doing shooting for it where people are like in LA and stuff and they're like they'll see him in full Borat gear filming. But I, I pulled some Rotten Tomatoes numbers for this. Oh, can we get to that after? Sure. Potentially? Sure. Okay. Let's get to the next one. Number nine. Old school. Frank the tank. Vince Vaughn. Luke Wilson at his best. Blue. Oh my gosh. My boy. My boy Blue. Dust in the Wind's playing, the end of that movie. Streaking in the quad. Oh my gosh, there's just so much in that movie. Number eight. Mean Girls. It's it's just an American classic. It really is. It might be the best of the SNL movies that Lorne Michaels was involved in, having cast members do. It's either that or Tommy Boy. If you're talking about the best SNL cast movies... Those are the two that come to mind. I think of Mean Girls, I think of Tommy Boy. I'm a big fan of Superstar and Ladies Man, too, though. Yeah, I just don't know if they're as good as those two, right? Doesn't mean you're a bad movie if you're not at the very top of the list. There's some other ones. Number seven. Sorry. So that's uh, that's Mean Girls at number eight. 
Who's the most iconic character in Mean Girls? Is it Regina George? Hot take. I think it's the principal. I think it's Tim. Wow. He he's the best in that. He he's my favorite character. Amy Poehler is the mom. Really high shooting percentage in that movie. Number seven is Dodgeball. I could quote this movie all day. But is there... Okay, I was going to ask a question that there's no way the answer is yes to. I was going to say, is there anything in a 2000s comedy that ages worse than Lance Armstrong being the inspirational person at this movie? But considering how raunchy 2000s comedies began... uh, uh, became, excuse me, in the 2000s, I don't even want to explore what else hasn't aged well over the last 20 years. Number six. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I am split on this. The reason why Forgetting Sarah Marshall's not higher up on this list is because I like that movie almost as much as I like to get into the Greek, but I only wanted to include one on this list. My favorite part of that whole movie is when they're on the beach and the guy who looks like he sings over the rainbow is trying to approach this guy and he says, what are you doing? And he gets slapped. I, I watched that on repeat more yeah. times than I'd like to admit. Jonah Hill with a number of great roles and supporting situations, even with the 40-year-old version trying to buy those boots at the eBay store. He doesn't get it. Trying but to buy the shoes from Kathleen Keener, Catherine Keener. You need to buy it on the eBay store. Yeah, but I have, like, money. Can I, like, buy it now? Number five. The Hangover. Goodness, man. That movie, it slipped right underneath the tripwire. Right underneath the tripwire of the internet and Twitter and Facebook. Like, at that time, like, see, I don't know if that movie, Robert, could be made two years after it came out in 2009. It was 2009 or 2008, around then, right? Like when everybody has a cell phone, the the hangover concept doesn't become believable, I don't think. I mean, if a cell phone died, it's really easy to get around that. Twitter, Facebook, all four of them, all four of their cell phones died and none of them are posting anything on social media. I I, I don't know if you can make that movie and pull it off in 2020, but there's just so much in there. Um, Like Zach Galifianakis just... An incredible star immediately when it happened. Mike Tyson, the well, they, piano song, The Tiger. They did kind of make that movie later in The Hangover 2 and 3. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have anything to defend myself. I never there. know when you want to go or not. Uh, Superbad. Superbad's number four on the list. What is Jonah Hill's best role? I would argue that it's this. Or Wolf of Wall Street. One of the two. It's definitely peak Michael Sarah. Either that or Juno. That could be a real legitimate... Uh, Zach Pilgrim, some would say, too. But, um, yeah. Superbad's great. My favorite character in Superbad's Bill Hader. The entire time. Oh, no, it's the cops! <laughs> He's great. McLovin! And Seth Rogen's the other cop. It's just so good. Number three. Step Brothers. Step Brothers, oh goodness. I, I watched that again about a year ago. It's so rewatchable. It is. Like, there's so many parts you're just looking forward to. Oh my gosh, the Catalina wine mixer's coming up. Oh goodness, he's just now meeting the therapist. 
I know exactly why he's sweaty, and it's not because of cops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Cop starts at four. It's probably the movie that I've watched the most in my entire life. It's an amazing movie. Number two. 40-year-old virgin. I, I love this movie, man. Like, I love Judd Apatow. Um, gosh, he just went on a run. I, I liked it a lot more than Knocked Up. I liked it a lot more than... than actually, I really like Funny People a lot, but it's not really a comedy if you watch Funny People. Uh, 40-year-old virgin's just great. So much of it is outdated. Like, you can't really have a smart tech anymore. <laughs> and the eBay store, uh, there's just so much in there that doesn't hold up, and I love it. It's a, it's really a period piece now. Number one. It has to be Anchorman. It, it just has to be. Like, there's no movie for anybody who is under the age, let's say, of 35, 35, 40 years old, that is more quotable than Anchorman. It isn't. Riddle me that. I mean, we could go for days. Unique New York. You know, like... I am Ron Burgundy. You take your pick. That's number one on my list. Top 10 comedies of the 2000s on the 15-year anniversary to the month of 40-year-old version coming out. You are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Don't know why I got tripped up there on Sports Hub Dry. All right. In 30 minutes, Adam Gold's going to be with us, our early afternoon host. Next hour, we'll catch up with Bill Voth, our good friend from Panthers.com, after they had their televised fan fest with no fans last night, a practice that really I, I was excited to watch. I couldn't believe I was watching a practice last night, but that's that's what we were doing. Here comes the life of the party. The Drive. Corrupting the minds and the hearts of our children. With Josh Graham. Program for low expectations. On Sports Hub Triad. Woo! Call me crazy. Maybe stir crazy. But I really enjoyed watching Panthers practice on television last night. At Bank of America Stadium, it was FanFest, Vic Mixon, Kurt Coleman, who did a really good job. I was really impressed by him. Was along, were alongside Jim Zoki, Kristen Balboni, our friends with the Panthers Radio Network. And there are a lot of things regarding this football team I'm really interested in. Two weeks from today, the NFL season is going to kick off with the Texans facing the Chiefs. We welcome in Bill Vo from Panthers.com to talk about a number of these things. Now that you've had a chance, Bill, to look at Joe Brady's offense, how similar does it look to what you've seen in past years, Sean Payton and Drew Brees run in New Orleans? Mm, I would say that we've seen a bit of a preview of it the past two years when when Norv Turner came in and was the first person to convince Cam Newton to start getting rid of the ball quicker. Um, and you know, just just a high more more high percentage passes um of course you can use christian mccaffrey in multiple ways out of the out of the backfield but um i i just i don't see a tremendously drastic difference because as i said i think I, I think we saw this change starting starting two years ago and then unfortunately for the panthers last year cam got hurt um and and didn't play again after after week two but so i, I mean it just this is the way that a lot of NFL teams have gone, um, and and I, and and I think it's it's all about 
getting the ball in your playmaker's hands every once in a while? Can you pop open? Can, can you pop a long play? Sure, but get the ball in your playmaker's hands, and that's what they that that that's that's the goal. That was the goal for the past two years. I respect that at times, even with the Panthers, you could be cynical about things at points. And Teddy Bridgewater, he hasn't played a snap with Carolina, so I don't want to go too far. But I love the fact that he's organizing like a rogue mini camp before the uh, actual training camp begins and getting together with Robbie Anderson and South Florida where they're both from during lockdown. And I also like the fact after practice yesterday, you see Elena Getzenberg's tweet from the Charlotte Observer, Teddy's there working with Chris Manhurts until the lights turn out, essentially. Now that you've seen Teddy up close, you've watched some of these practices, you've had a chance to hear what teammates say about him, has he already exceeded your expectations a bit? Well, I think, first of all, most quarterbacks do that preseason stuff. I think those things kind of get blown out of proportion since every quarterback pretty much does, does that, and especially this summer. I would, If any quarterback wasn't doing that, I, I don't really know what else they would have been doing except playing video games at their home. Um, but, yeah, I put out something this past Saturday about Teddy being the last one off the field, and, of course, you can't really say anything good about Teddy on the Internet in this fan base without getting a lot of people yelling at you and um you know because he's not cam uh but yeah i i'm impressed by the way he stays afterwards uh, last night and last saturday wasn't the only example he he is usually the last one off the field um is that a good sign is it is it a sign that people roll their eyes out? i mean whatever the, the fact is is he's putting in the extra work um we we had him mic'd up a couple of days ago, and just the way he talks to guys, you can you can hear, um, yeah, why why he pulls them he he pulls them along with him. He's he's always sitting front and center in the team meetings, and is alert, um, and um, and comes in with a and with 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 the same mood pretty much every day, and and, and up mood pretty much every day. It, it, it's not like you're guessing what kind of mood the guy's going to be in. So. Uh, I would say, I don't know if he's exceeded my expectations, but the things people have said about him coming in, I can, I can see why those things are said. Bill Vos on Twitter at Panthers Bill from Panthers.com. He joins us. I'm interested in what you talked about when it comes to he's not Cam Newton. And if Teddy wasn't on this team, there's a pretty good chance Cam would still be on the roster right now. It just couldn't be, hey, you have... I mean, Teddy probably wouldn't have signed with Carolina if Cam's on the roster because that's a really awkward situation to be in. I'm not saying Teddy's ultimately it's his call to say, hey, I don't want this guy on the team or anything of that sort. However, he talked about, you know, trying just to be himself, not trying to be Cam the same way he did last year, playing under Drew Brees, learning that was a process. Hey, just try to be you versus being that. But Drew Brees, he's a no doubt future Hall of Famer. Cam Newton isn't quite that. So do you think he knew going in what he was getting into? Yeah, you have to. And it's it's, it's not easy. Like there's times I mean, I've there's pe you know there's like people that run these social media accounts like that work here at the Panthers. And like they're not the ones making these decisions. Like I, I don't know if people realize that. I and mean, I think people know that, but like when they're screaming over Twitter and Facebook or whatever Instagram and they're screaming at these people who run these accounts like they're not but they see this stuff all the time and it's toxic so I, I don't know how a lot of these professional athletes are on social media because a lot of times I'll see I'll see there just the reaction I got the other day about posting 
something about Teddy staying after practice and people screaming at me. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to be Teddy and you're and you're seeing these things. Everybody has an innate sense of wanting to feel welcome and and feel and feel um, like they're wanted. And so um, I understand these guys make a lot of money, but they're they're humans too. So uh, that's a long way of saying, yeah, I would hope that he knew what he was getting into. I mean, shoot, even me just as a content producer hearing the miking the other day of Teddy, it's like, it's good. There's, it's good, but it's, it's not Cam. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just it's different. And people here are used to oh, nearly a decade of Cam, nearly a decade of a guy. What's the phrase? Um, I usually get this cliche wrong. The Whatever raises all the tide that raises all boats or whatever it is. And that's what Cam was for a very long time. And so now it's a, it's a new era, and all of us, whether we're in the media, whether you're a fan, whoever, you're going to have to get used to this new era. It's not going to be the same for better or for worse. Um, and I can't imagine what that's like to be in Teddy's shoes. I understand people can be like, well, he's getting paid a lot of money. It's a tremendous opportunity to be in that. But that doesn't mean that it's easy on a day-in and day-out basis. Is there a better story at Panthers training camp right now than rookie Jeremy Chin? I don't know if he's the best story, but um, I still think I still think F.A. Abad is probably, I mean, F.A. Abad is probably still the best story. Yeah, that's going to um, be tough to beat. I just meant in general, like, the idea blows me away that the last time this guy played a competitive snap, it was at FCS Southern Illinois, wasn't a first-round pick, wasn't even the Panthers' first pick in the second round. They traded up to get him. And without in-person OTAs, without preseason games, the next time he plays a competitive snap might be starting against the Raiders. That blows me away. Yeah, no, I mean, but it, yeah, there's a reason though that the Panthers traded up to get him, and he was a second round pick. I don't think he was going to last too much too much longer. Um, and he certainly looks the part out there. Um, a lot of times you'll see rookies come in, and it's just like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's got a little bit way to go. But um, from day one to my uh, very, um, you know, untrained football eye. Um, he, he has looked at the part, and it's like, yeah. But, listen, th- they're going to put a lot on these rookies' plates this year. There's going to be a lot of growing pain. So just because Jeremy Chin looks the part right now or could be out there starting come week one doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory. He's going to make mistakes. These guys are going to make mistakes. Um, they're going to lose some games. Like this is, But this is what the plan has been since they brought in Matt Rule. They didn't bring in... They didn't bring in Dabo Sweeney or Urban Meyer. They brought in a guy who we know his shtick. His shtick is take a team. Re- that, okay, if you don't want to use the rebuild, but really, you, you look at he won, what, two games and then one game in his, in his previous two stops, and then build it from there, And which means you have to throw these guys into the fire and you have to deal with the mistakes, and you gotta, you, and, and you got to take time building the culture. Is it going to work? In the NFL, like it worked for him in college, I don't know. You don't know. None of us know. But that's what they're going to try and do, which takes patience, which takes that's why you get a seven-year contract. Um, it's going to take some time. So guys like Jeremy Chin, you throw in there, and he's going to have his, he's going to have his good days and he's going to have his bad days. But the only way to get where you want to go by giving the head coach a seven-year contract and having patience like this is having patience. Bill Both, Panthers.com, on Twitter, at PanthersBill. How strange was FanFest last night? You mean non-FanFest? 
<laughs> not fan fest. I, I, I don't know. I just kind of gotten used to it. Um, the crowd noise. Like I just, yeah, I got. I got, I've gotten used to it. It just to me. I understand some people want to be. Oh, it sounds really weird and stuff like that. To me, I don't know. I feel like that's just something to complain about. It's an easy thing to complain about. Yeah, I just you just kind of get used to it and you don't notice it. At the end of the day, I didn't. I did not expect there to be football right now. Like I didn't think that there was going to be. Uh, how did this order go? I didn't think there was going to be free agency. I didn't think there was going to be a draft. Um, I didn't think there was going to be a schedule release. I didn't think training camps were going to start on time. I didn't think the season was going to start on time. I've been wrong about every single thing this summer. Um, so the fact that they're actually out there on the field, that they're two weeks away from a season, I just listen. Like it's it's incredible to me. Is so all these all these negatives and not having fans and having fake crowd noise. And, and, and all this other stuff, I understand it's not all ideal, but the fact that we're even this close to seeing actual football games is amazing to me um, because I didn't think there's any chance. There's no chance you're going to bring in all these people in a country that has so much problems trying to contain them. There's just no chance they were going to be able to pull this off, and right now they're two weeks away from potentially getting this thing going um, with really very, very few hiccups over the past few weeks. Yeah, uh, this is wild. Um Something else that's wild makes me feel old. Um, the forty-year-old virgin is fifteen years uh, fifteen years old this month, and it had me thinking about the best comedies of that decade, the two thousands. I put together a list. You let me know out of these ten which is the best: Borat, Old School, Mean Girls, Dodgeball, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Hangover, Superbad, Step Brothers, Forty-year-old virgin, Anchorman. What's what's the best movie you heard? You kind of went fast there. Um, I think you have to go Hangovers one, um, and then just because of um, the lead actresses in it, um, who I both kind of take a liking to. Forgetting Sarah Marshall's up there now. I, I I would think that most people wouldn't put that in there as number one or two, but Mila Kunis and, and Kristen Bell are, are pretty good in that movie. That's pretty good. Uh, thanks. Yeah, what, what's yours? Uh, Anchorman's number one for me. It's just, I don't okay. think there's a movie of the last 20 years that's more quotable. I don't. And also, I think you could argue that's the movie that launched all the Judd Apatow stuff, where you had 40-year-old virgin and Knocked Up that followed. Knocked Up was a really big deal when it came out. But yeah, Anchorman, I think, is number one on the list. I uh, I don't laugh out loud. It's a weird thing. I don't really, literally, I don't, I don't LOL. Um, there's been two movie scenes like I know off the top of my head in my life that have laughed out loud. It was when um, in Dumb and Dumber, when what's his name threw the snowball <laughs> in her face from like two feet away, and then the alley fight in Anchorman. Who, so, wait, 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 wait! Hold so one sec. Let's 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 hold up a second. If you're talking about the the all anchor fight with all yeah. the news networks going at it, who what who was the guy that made you laugh out loud the most? I can't remember. I just from just the whole thing of it was just it was it was it was just it was unbelievably fantastic. Uh, and it still ages really well, yeah. like fine wine. Thanks for doing this, Bill. It's good to hear from you, and I hope to see you in not too long. Yes, sir, Josh. Hopefully, we can get together. Yeah, there you go, Bill Vo. He's on Twitter. Shoot him a follow if you haven't already at Panthers Bill, Panthers dot com. Running a lot of the content that they do over there, and you're not going to find a better social media account, I think, for a professional team. Than what the Carolina Panthers are doing. It's really, really uh, interesting, neat stuff that they do.